You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the song and was able to uh, were able to sing along with us. Uh, just something about music and being able to uh, sing. I know it's a little different singing at home, but we're just trying to bring you a little more, a little more us. Um, and uh, a few years ago, Anna and I had a chance to head down to uh, Florida, the Orlando area, to be part of um, something called the National Institute for Christian Leadership with Dr. Mark Rutland. He's a great teacher, and we got to go down a couple times a year. It was great. Just got to get away without the kids and, and hang out and get to learn and grow, and it was just a really great experience for us. And part of that, one of the sessions was on music. It was about singing and songs, as particularly in the church and uh, you know what, how music has changed through the years. It's interesting because uh, Dr. Rutland made the, um, just the observation that music often is contextually revealing. It, it, what, what we sing about lyrically, the, the, the words that we sing, what we sing about reveals often what's going on in the world around us. Um, and he says, you know, like you go back to the 1800s, America was just becoming a, a country, was just forming, trying to establish itself in the world. And so the songs were big with uh, big sounds, big music, talked about a big God and, and a big cities and all this kind of stuff. It was just big songs. You know, if you think of uh, Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture, um, you know, there were actually cannons in, in, the, in the music. You can hear them blasting in the back. I mean, everything was big and theatrical and just trying to establish uh, itself um, in the world. You know, you had songs like Immortal, Invisible, uh, Holy, Holy, Holy. Lord God Almighty. I mean, these big anthem songs. And then he said, you know, made the observation that when life starts to get hard, um, people begin to sing songs about heaven and about eternity, uh, about that sense of, you know, looking beyond. In the late 1800s, uh, we, we know Horatio Spafford wrote the well-known song, It Is Well, and he wrote it out of personal tragedy. See, what, what goes on in our life comes out in our music. Um, and then you get to the early 1900s and you know, period of, uh, you know, world wars and the Great Depression and unfortunately still, you know, slavery and just all sorts of nasty things going on in our in our world. Um, you listen to those old spirituals and the songs that were sung. They talked about eternity and freedom and going home. Songs like I'll Fly Away and Take My Hand, Precious Lord, and, you know, Blow Your Trumpet, Gabriel. When you listen to the lyrics, you just hear this longing for escape, for release from from the suffering. And then when life is good, people sing about, you know, thankfulness and gratitude and how good God is and blessing songs like how great thou art and how great is our God and give thanks with a grateful heart. You just, the songs often just mirror uh, what's going on. They, they reveal our reality. And so it's just interesting to think like, what are we singing about right now? You know, what is our, what, what songs are being written right now? And I think as you'll begin to listen just to the songs that are coming out the last few uh, really, a few years, you begin to hear uh, miracles. We're singing a lot about miracles. And I was just wondering, like, why is that? Why are we singing about about the miraculous? And I think it's perhaps one, one reason could be that, you know, when we begin to look at the world around us, uh, we're troubled by how overwhelming it is. Uh, it just seems like we're up against a lot of impossible things, uh, you know, especially even right now, you know, uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, a shutdown for a, a virus that's affecting our entire world. And it seems like it's just the solutions that, you know, it's oh, it's just overwhelming. It's big. It's huge. And then you look at, you know, what's going on in, in Minnesota and just the, 
the tension, the racial tension, just the disparity of, of what's going on. We feel like we're making, we make progress, right? We get one step forward and it's two steps back. And it's just, again, you're sitting there going, man, this is, are we going to ever get there? And it begins to feel like an, like an impossibility. And I think what we're hoping for is we're hoping for a good world. We're hoping for a peaceful world uh, where, where there's no, nobody's suffering, where everybody has what they need and they're taken care of and everybody's loved and everybody's provided for. And we're just hoping for the good life. But what we're experiencing is so troubling and so impossible, we need a miracle. And so we, we sing songs about, you know, big God coming to, to raise the dead back to life and breathing new life into bones and, you know, moving mountains, a God who can do anything because that's how big we recognize the, the problems are in front of us. And so we just sing about it. And I just, I think that that reveals a lot about our hope. Hope is vital. Martin Luther said that uh, it's everything in the world is done by hope. I just want to encourage you today. We have hope. We have strong, sure, well-founded, steady hope. Um, unshakable hope. And in times of great testing, in times of trouble, like what's going on right around us, the roots of our, of our tree, the roots of our lives are tested, are put to the test. And that's where we call on those roots and we depend and lean into those roots. If our roots are firm, we're going to stay on the test of time. And one of those roots right now is the root of hope, that, that, there's, that there's hope for us, that we're not in a hopeless world, that we're not in a hopeless existence, that there will be relief, that there will be something better coming. There's Napoleon Bonaparte who said that leaders are dealers of hope. And there's no one, no leader better anywhere at dealing out hope than Jesus. Jesus was dishing out hope everywhere. There's a statement Jesus made that I think can give us hope right now in the midst of all this trouble that we're living in. We find it in John chapter 14, verse 1. I'm going to read it in just a minute. John chapter 14, verse 1. This is what Jesus says to us about living, living in a world that's, that's obviously so overwhelming. He says this. He says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And I just want to stop right there. Jesus says, Don't let. Don't let. Refuse. Now, let me ask you, who, who's in control of whether your heart is troubled? You are. You're in, you're in control of whether your heart gets troubled or not. He says you have the choice. Scripture is filled with this. He says, it tells us, take captive every thought. We get to choose this day if we want to dwell on life, if we want to dwell on death. We get to choose what we're going to meditate on, what we're going to fill our minds with. It's a choice we make daily. You're in control of what troubles your mind or what trust you're going to lean into. He says, listen, don't be troubled. Instead, trust don't be troubled. Instead, trust. You get to choose. And so today, I just, want to, I just want to challenge you. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling troubled and that your mind is consumed with all of the negative and all of the overwhelming just noise and the, the, the bad, the negative, this, the, the awful things in our world, this is not a, a means of escape. Jesus says, but don't be troubled by that. Trust in me. Trust in me. See, it's troubling is not so much about you know not caring or not being concerned or, or just ignoring. It's not turning a blind eye. That's not what he's saying. He says, don't be troubled. Not, not don't bother with it. Don't worry about it. Not ignore it. But don't let that consume you to the point where you despair. Don't be so overwhelmed by the brokenness in our world that you despair. Have hope. You keep hope and you can hope because you trust in me. And Jesus continues now and he's going to tell us why we can trust in him, why we can have hope, why we can choose not to be troubled, even though so much is troubling around us. Here's why we cannot be overwhelmed. Here he continues in verse 2. He says, there is more than enough room 
in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Jesus, first off, right off the bat says here, I'm not going to lie to you. If Jesus, listen, if if you can't trust Jesus, you can't trust anybody. He says, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. My Father, we are preparing a place for you. And it's not just a place like any other place. It's the place of all places. I'm going, we know he's talking about heaven. He's talking about paradise. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Unique for you. Not just a general place, but specifically for you. A place that you will think is heaven. A place that you will think is perfection. It's everything that you've ever hoped for. It's the fulfillment of things that maybe you're searching for and you haven't found that you're never going to find. All of those things come to reality, come to fulfillment in that place. I'm going to prepare a place for you, he says. And not just that, he says, there's there's enough room for everybody. So it's not like a secret. You don't have to be like, hey, I don't want to tell anybody about my special fishing place because then they're going to come and they're going to take it. And this is my, no, there's enough room there for everybody and it's not going to ruin your place one, one iota. Everybody's got special place and there's room enough for everybody here in this place. And he says, God's preparing it. Right? It's going to be, I mean, listen, we go to a hotel and they got mint on a pillow, you're happy. Right? When they got some cookies, you're like, oh, this is really nice. God's, got, God's preparing, he's had all eternity prepare a place for you. Think about what that place is going to look like. Think about the most beautiful place you can imagine on earth. Well, the God who made that has been tailoring a place just for you, specifically for you, a place where you will find true, deep rest, peace, joy, contentment, fulfillment, everything you've ever longed for, that, that sense that you have of discontent will be gone. Any suffering, any grief, any sorrow will be erased. The scriptures tell us no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death, no more brokenness. There's going to be this perfect place up ahead that God is preparing right now for you in the midst of this troubling world. Do not be troubled because I'm preparing a place for you. Oh man. And he says, listen, and you're not going to miss it. I'm going to come get you. It's like those little buzzers you get when you go at a restaurant, right? They're like, here, hold this, and you're waiting for your, your table. Listen, God's coming back for you. You're not going to miss it. You don't, have to, you don't have to worry about trying to find it. He just says, I'm going to come get you, and I will usher you there. I will personally escort you to paradise. I mean, listen, God cares about us so much, he's not going to do all this work to that yeah, and make us miss it. It's very, very, very plain, very clear. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to bring you there. He says, and I'm going to not only bring you there, but then I want to hang with you forever. And it's not just God that we get to hang out with. I mean, listen, listen, there's nothing better. We don't need anything more than God. God's going to be the fulfillment of everything you've ever wanted. He says, I'm going to be there, but it's going to be this glorious reunion of God and all those people that we've ever loved. Somebody once told a story, said, I used to think of heaven as... Uh, you know, domes and spires and beautiful streets inhabited by angels playing little harps. That's what I thought heaven was. But along the way, I lost a brother. And I thought of heaven pretty much like I used to, but now my brother was there. And then he said, I I went on and I I lost some friends and an uncle and a grandfather. And then I began to think of heaven a little differently. And then over time, he says, it really hit home when, as an older guy, he lost his son. He says, and then I realized my son was going to be in heaven and it began to be a little more attractive to me. He says, over time I lost so many people that I began to think the fact that perhaps there were more people that I knew in heaven 
than on earth. See, heaven is going to be that place where we have this glorious reunion with everybody who has gone on before us. So think about the people that you miss. All of those people, they're going to be in that place together, in a place tailored for you with all those people that you love. And God in the middle of it, just giving life to it. No night there because He is the eternal Son. He is the morning star. It says He's going to hit. There is no night because He is the eternal light shining on everything. I'm telling you, it's... It's going to be amazing. And that's why this core value is so important because it's about hope. It's about that hope specifically. Essentially, it's, it's this. The core value is that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And it matters because what you believe about what's going to happen tomorrow and in the future totally determines how you live today. See, what we believe about tomorrow informs and directs how we live in this day. So if you want to know what you believe about tomorrow, really... Not what you say, not what you would tell other people, but what you actually believe. Look at how you're living today. Are you living with that in mind? Because it doesn't mean, um, you know, just just ignore it. Because since we're going to have heaven, that we can put our head in the sand until it's all over. This life has purpose. God has told us, he's been very clear, this life has purpose. But in the purpose, we must not lose sight of the fact that the best is still yet to come. We're not only here for there. Or else God could have just skipped this part and sent us straight there. So there's purpose in this season of life. There's purpose in, on being on this side of eternity. But the purpose of life is preparation for eternity. That's why we're here. So to always keep that in mind, we cannot forget that. C.S. Lewis said this, If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought most of the next world. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. I just want to challenge us today. Are we, are we mindful of the fact that the best is yet to come? Is that before us? When we stop thinking about heaven, we abandon our hope and we become just like everyone else, bogged down and lost our joy and our peace and our love because we're so overwhelmed by the troubles of this life. You will have trouble, Jesus said, but fret not. I have overcome the world. You're, the best is yet to come. Yes, we're in a world filled with trouble, but... There's so much good that's coming. See, when we, when we remember that the best is yet to come, we help those who have no hope find the one who is hope. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 in the NIV says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. So I encourage you, it's on you, it's on me to be ready to give a reason because it's uncommon to have hope there's so much trouble. People are going to say, why are you so hopeful? Why are you exhibiting hope? Why, how, could you be, how could you have joy when the world is so broken? How could, you, how, could you, how could you have peace? How could you not be crippled by fear when all around us is so dysfunctional? And in that moment, it's your opportunity to let people know, let me tell you why, because I believe and I'm convinced that the best is yet to come. Is the picture... That's the background of this value that says the best is yet to come. So it's, it's a photo of a young boy at a parade for a circus uh, long, many, many years ago. And uh, there's a story, I don't know about that picture, but I'm going to use it. There's a story about a, a boy who wanted to go to the circus. He was living uh, at that time and uh, had never, never seen one, only heard about it and uh, lived on a farm and went to his dad and said, Dad, the circus is coming to town in a couple of weeks. Can I go? 
His father said, son, it's going to cost some money and money's tight. His son said, dad, I, I, I'm never going to get a chance to see this again. His father says, all right, well, if you work hard for the next few weeks, do extra chores, right, do all this work, I'll see what I can do. So the boy got up early, worked extra hard, got everything done, would you know, just fall asleep at night, you know, totally exhausted, would just give himself, spent himself week after week. Finally, the day comes when it was time for the circus to come to town. He said, Dad, today's the day. Have I done enough? Can I go? And his father said, Son, you've been faithful. Here's a couple of, you know, here's, here's the money. Go. And he gave him a couple of coins, and that boy ran off uh, towards town. As he got closer to town, he began to hear the sounds of music playing. He began to hear, you know, the, just the, the sounds of, of organs and uh, of, of people and, and the rustling of wheels and of animals. And he began to smell things he'd never smelled before. And uh, he began to sense the scent of energy. And as he turned the corner into town, there's this crowd of people. And he pushed his way through the crowd to the front. And as he's getting the front, there comes the parade right through the center of town. And he is just, I mean, jaw hits the ground. Can't believe what he's seeing. Right? There's these great carts with horses and feathers and people in ornate costumes. And he's just overwhelmed. And as they're going by, there's a man on stilts walking through. And there's, these, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a, a cart rolling by with, with, a, with lions on it. And he's just like, he's never seen a lion before. And then clowns and acrobats and jugglers and all these things that are just absolutely... I mean, he's, he's so overwhelmed at what he's seeing. And then here come the elephants I mean, it's just this absolutely breathtaking experience for this young boy. He's just soaking it all in as they come by, as they, as they just roll on by. As the parade rolls on by, at the end of the parade, there's a couple of clowns, and the boy runs out to the clowns. He says, Sir, Mister, says, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. Thank you so much. And he hands the man his money, and he runs home. Never knowing never realizing that that was just the parade and the circus was going to happen in the big top. That's where everybody else was headed. He sold himself short. And that story always gripped me when we think about life. That this life is much like the parade. And people sell out everything they have for this life, not knowing that the best is still yet to come. This is just an appetizer. It's just a teaser. It's just a, a taste, a moment. It's, it's the trailer Eternity is forever, and it's so much better than this. And everybody is selling out everything for the here and now, and I'm telling you, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. When this is all we're living for, we're troubled. And we're overwhelmed because this is our one chance. And, and if this is it, how disappointing. But, but take heart. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you, Jesus says. He's got something so much better. It's a step of faith, for sure, to believe that. But that belief, that's, that's foundational, makes all the difference. I believe it. I hope you believe it. You've got to take Jesus' word. Would he be lying? You have to trust Jesus for that. So I want to pray for you. In a moment, we're going to close our service. If you're watching this today live with us, uh, following this immediately, we're going to have uh, an opportunity for you to jump on a, a Zoom call with us, with all our pastors, and we'd love to pray with you and just connect with you and say hi. So I invite, invite you to jump on if you can. Uh, if you're watching this at a later time, 
uh, there's going to be a, uh, just send us a message if we'd love to pray with you connect with you and, and, and reach out to us we're here and I'd love to talk with you more if you have questions or anything let us know we'd love to just talk about this more with you uh, in person uh, with phone however we can do that at this, at this time so we'd love to connect with you I just want to close by praying for you Heavenly Father I thank you that you love us so much that you have committed yourself to preparing a place for us but what kind of God does that? Every other God we know of, we do everything we can to create special places for you, for that God. But yet you prepare a place for us. God, you're so good and so loving. You're better than we know. I ask you today to grant us hope in these troubling times. Let us have the ability to choose to trust you. And let that trust, Lord, rise above what troubles us. And let us have hope that the truly the best is yet to come. Cannot wait for that day to come. It's going to be a good day. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church. Love you. Can't wait to see you again soon. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com.